why it was such a big deal for Fox to do something with. Uh, um... that, that's very descriptive. I know, right? Good morning and welcome to Downloadable Coffee Dallas. I'm your host, Michael Sewell, and joining me today is... Rebecca Easton. This podcast is where we recap the game events happening around the DFW area and beyond, as well as look back on the topics that took over the VGOCC last week. <laughs> Just uh, kind of like as, a, as an addendum to the, or whatever. Uh, Jump right into it. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, no. The thing that cracks me up the most about this is, like, when we do this, it's like, joining me today is, and then the person says their name. I always say it's like, you have reached the voicemail of Michael Sewell. <laughs> 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 you know, like, what, what I'm talking about? Uh, okay, okay. It's always funny to me how uh, whoever's reading the title is the host for the day. <laughs> There's not multiple hosts. All right. <laughs> That's all. It makes, it makes me feel like a guest all the time. <laughs> All right, so going through, uh, so let's talk about events that are coming up, events that, or events that have happened and events that are coming up. So the Cartridge Jam, uh, so we'll just jump right into it. Yeah. Cartridge Jam is going on right now. They did their talk last Monday. I unfortunately wasn't able to make it, but several of our members have, and they're doing some interesting games. There's a few that are doing like a Kung Fu Fighter game. Oh, they nice. shared some pictures, of, uh, some concept pictures in the Discord, so they looks pretty awesome. And I think they're going to do it like... Uh, like check Fu? Yeah, no, no, like rock, paper, scissors kind of style. Oh. Yeah, okay. so I'm pretty excited to see how that is going to go. Uh, then a bunch of short guys had their industry, state of the industry talk, which apparently went really well. They had two people, Jeff Masters and another guy, I believe, who was from Jurassic Fallen Kingdom. I want to say, unless that's the same guy, and then I'm just wrong. Uh, but those are two of the events that happen. Let me see. Let me uh, see. This is why I should have got the show notes together. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but that's, is there anything else I'm missing? I don't think there was another event that happened. Oh, I think the Smash tournament. Uh, yeah, there was a uh, there was a, an event at the, uh, the FX Game Exchange over the weekend. Uh, oh no! The Smash Game tournament that I'm thinking yeah, of yeah. it took place uh, is taking place tomorrow. Uh, then there is also oh, I guess we're going into what's coming up. <laughs> Upcoming events. So the Smash event, uh, the Smash. Smash Brothers tournament that I was talking about at Lux Luxus Box Garden at Legacy Hall is tomorrow at 7 p.m. Then you have uh, August 31st. I found this, which is really cool. Dallas Indie Game Nights with the Inner Gamer. The Inner Gamer is a web online publication. Online publication, and sometimes they put together events. They pull out a whole bunch of indies in the area and they have them show their games off and they do it at uh, the community which is a bar uh, the cool thing about this one that i was taking a look at people that were going to be involved in it is mowing and throwing pixel house games uh pixel house games believe i'm not either. sure i'm not familiar with it. i believe that's their name mowing and throwing has been showing up regular uh occasionally as they've been developing their game 
to do some game testing at some of the events around the area. Uh, so I'm super excited to see how far they come because the last time that I saw that they were still very much in kind of the beta stage. Uh, so I'm super excited on that. Uh, and then conferences coming up is, of course, Industry Giants. Yeah. Is that uh, next month? Yes, that is next month. And I am talking with a bunch of short guys right now to try and get them on the podcast. But they are awesome, which means they are busy. <laughs> so aligning our schedules up has been kind of difficult. But I'm going to get them on because I want them to talk about this. And that's all that I have, unless you have some events that I'm missing. Well, I've got I've got big events coming up, uh, but that's just me. Okay, so. well then, that <laughs> we're talking about stuff that other people Fine. can go to. Fine. Uh, people can go <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but are they going on your dime or theirs? Uh, not mine. See, <laughs> <laughs> it's a political way of saying. So that that's about everything that's coming up. If I've forgotten anything, please let us know either in the Discord or the Facebooks, which we have. I check them regularly. I know a bunch of our members are very active on Discord, particularly the ones that end up at the at the club, but that doesn't mean that you can't join. Alrighty. Uh, so that's what was that's that's the events. Yep. Now here's what we talked about last week. Yeah, yeah uh, the Thursday Club. Well, okay. So, to be honest, <laughs> a lot of the times uh, we we take a lot of the things that we talk about at the Thursday and just bring it over to the Friday. And sometimes yeah. the Fridays just add some, have some other things. Uh, so I'm just going to talk about them as if it's all just one day. Sure, um, why not? Go for it. Alrighty, uh, one of the topics, this is going to be our, extend, our extension topic later on, but it is, Can Games Change People's Minds? It is a article get done by the GameIndustry.biz. Uh, the website, GameIndustry.biz? Yeah, GameIndustry.biz, yeah. right. Um, oh, that's one thing I would love to put this out there. Uh, if you guys have a game source or where you go read like your game news or anything that's going on in the industry and you want to share that with us, please do. Put it in the put it in the Facebook, put it in the Discord. I'm gonna say it until like we just have way too much activity, and I'm just like, stop, please. Uh, but uh, we want to see what you're, where you guys get your news from, because I'm always looking for other places. I know people like to go to Polygon, The Verge, of course, Kotaku. I got, mm-hmm. I like the Game Biz. I wish they talked a lot more about kind of smaller things that go on in like game development itself. Uh, but I think we can fill that spot. Uh, so anyways, this is done by the game.biz. It's can games change people's minds. We'll go into a little bit more, but the sum of it is it just talks about how games have had a profound meaning or a profound impact on people's lives, either through a message or some sort of epiphany that has happened that just changes the way they look at things. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's kind of what this is about. Uh, then we got into Bethesda. Uh, Bethesda blocks resale of a secondhand game. Have you heard of that? Yeah, but uh, I did hear about that. But the mm-hmm. game was still sealed. Right. So what what it real really happened is a guy had a game that he did. It was a Bethesda game. Yeah. Guy had a game. He had it on wrap day. He just kind of had it sitting around. And decided, well, I'm just going to sell it. So he tried to sell it on Amazon, but he was selling it as new. This game is like five years old or something along those lines. 
And Bethesda got in there and was like, uh, no, you can't sell this game as new, even if it has been open because you pre-owned it. So that's what that's what that was about. <laughs> yeah, it's really weird. Uh, and it was a copy of Evil Within 2, which uh, was not uh, five years old. That's like eight-year-old. Eight-year-old, <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's relatively new. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it, it seems very odd that Bethesda would do that. Well, one of the members was pointing out that at Gear... Not Gearbox. Ooh, jeez. At GameStop, uh, even if you don't have a game, even if you're trying to, like, trade in a game to get those points so that you can buy another right, game, right. even if it's one that you've unwrapped, they won't take it unless you unwrap it and give it back to them. Right, GameStop won't. Yeah. But if you take one of those games to, like, Walmart, they won't care. They'll be like... Oh, yeah, just go grab another. <laughs> well, yeah, but that's Walmart. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, and, I mean... They're not in the used game business, right? <laughs> so. Yeah, so it's one of... It's interesting because we've seen these kinds of things pop up. I mean, GameStop got into trouble by selling games that were used and also had DLCs and not mentioning that those DLCs had already been used. Yeah. Well, it seems their argument was that... Uh, the person could have opened it up, played it a bit, and then re-shrink-wrapped it. <laughs> Which, to be fair, like, when I was working at Fry's years and years ago, they uh -huh. had a re-shrink-wrapped machine. Yes. So, I think that's entirely possible, but I don't know anybody who can re-wrap packages the way that the factory wraps those packages. I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know, unless maybe he worked for a while. Maybe they yeah. did, like, a deep dive into his life and found out he works at one of those packaging plants. Yeah. I think the lesson here is uh, go to eBay <laughs> <laughs> instead. It's a good one. Uh, one of our members shared the develop developing the art of Fortnite, how it went from being uh, kind of almost a lot similar to PUBG to where it is now. So that's pretty cool. Then they also shared in defense of ROMs, a solution to dying games and broken copyright. Uh, internet's down. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so the, the ROM the ROM problem is interesting. You know, Nintendo's been uh, suing all those websites that have hosted SNES game ROMs or, you know, old old game ROMs. Uh, which, you know, I mean, Nintendo has every right to, to do because those are their properties. But at the same time, uh, Nintendo has not made it, Nintendo and other companies have not made it easy to go find those older titles. And that like, is that is true. That, and that that's the problem. That's, that's why people are kind of like. Oh, that's the biggest biggest reasons why these ROMs exist. Mm -hmm. um, so the conversation took took its way through like the preservation of games, the loss of games that are no longer on systems that you can get, uh, the dying of Flash, right? The death of Flash, which in turn is bringing down a treasure trove of just Flash games. You yeah. know, yeah. things from like Newgrounds that are no longer playable because Flash is just not a thing. And unless the creators themselves go back and just upgrade it with an engine that is usable, those games just disappear yeah. into nothing. Uh, so, and this is also taking following up on a topic that we on uh, on what we talked about either the podcast or last podcast before that about uh, like love rom. There's two ROM sites that shut down, or yes, one that shut yes. down and the other one that pulled off the entire catalog, Nintendo catalog, because they received a cease and desist or right. a lawsuit, copyright lawsuit against them, right? But it brings up that question, why, how are, like, hmm, give me a second. Well, it makes me think, like, how could, would this be an issue were Nintendo or the other platforms to 
like keep some means of playing their backlog. So in part of that, right, the whole part of preservation of games is saving the source code. And we've already come across tons of instances in where companies have lost the source code and have had to rebuild, rebuild yeah, entirely. Yeah. I mean, what was it? I think Kingdom Hearts, when they were doing like the 1.5 and 2.5, they they actually had lost parts of Kingdom Heart. <laughs> and uh, was it Silent Hill, I want to say? Yeah, yeah, the Silent Hill remaster, they lost a lot of their data, so the game ended up being worse than the original. Right. It was, like, high resolution. Level. Right, and they had to rebuild, actually, full mm-hmm. sections mm-hmm. of it. There was, there was no going about it. In right. fact, uh, Gearbox in the old building had a fire and lost, like, half their servers many, many years ago. Wow. Uh, and lost a lot of lot of old data. I don't remember, I wasn't working here at that time, but it was, like, maybe during Brothers in Arms era okay. or maybe Borderlands 1. Uh-huh, right. Uh, well, and that was the thing that, so, so that was one of the things that people were bringing up, right? The fact that they don't, there's not like a really good way or there isn't an industry standard on how to protect the source code. It makes it harder for when you get out mm-hmm. into, it, it, when they get out of that current generation, right? And on top of that, when you're buying like generations of console, right, you're buying with the with the understanding, and, that, and that's because everything that's led up to currently now, before backwards compatible compatibility was a thing, and yeah. streaming is a thing, you're growing up with the understanding that you're just not going to play those games when the next generation comes out. That's kind of it. There is a couple of Xbox Live games that I can no longer play because they are... <laughs> With 360. Right, right. And some company, like Nintendo has been arguably better about backwards compatibility mm-hmm. than others. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Microsoft has been making a good effort to port a lot of their games or make them playable yes. on, on the newer Especially with the launch of their streaming service. Yeah. Right, right. Mixer, mm-hmm. was it? No. Uh, oh, you mean um, their... Uh, I don't remember. Xbox Games. Yeah, yes. Xbox yes. Games, I believe. Like, games of Live or something? Yeah, anyway. something. <laughs> There's going to be somebody in the comment section just going, these morons. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Well, I didn't buy into it. Please comment, like, subscribe. <laughs> Smash that like button, fam. Hell yeah. Uh, anyway. Uh, but that was... So that, that's this thing that, that we keep coming back to, is every right. time we see these lawsuits coming up, we're also going back to, but like, we can't play these games anymore. How are we going to play them? Well, I think Nintendo... Nintendo's taken a weird stance on emulation. Mm-hmm. Like, they could have put out these lawsuits years ago, many years ago. There we go. <laughs> uh, now, maybe there was some, like, legal reason they couldn't back then, but I think it's because they're about to put out their new online service uh, where supposedly you're going to be able to play old games from it on, the, on your Switch. Uh, actually, yeah, just on your on your Switch. So, we'll see how that ends up going. Hopefully, it means that all that back catalog comes back. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll so another part of this is also the copyright, right? Like, yeah, yeah. It, in in addition to the loss of what uh, the loss of code, you also have the copyright laws and and how those are defended, right? And then you also got to remember everywhere in the world has their own copyright law and how they approach everything. I mean, we saw that with uh, Blue Hole and Epic. And, oh yeah. Yeah. You know, and then Tencent suing that one mobile company for League of Legends mobile, mm-hmm. right? Like, we're, we're seeing a lot of this. Uh, this article goes into a lot of detail on just, like, 
where the copyright law comes into play. And like, there's apparently a certain section of history where we just stopped creating things. I don't know. Yeah, the, the crash in the 80s. Yeah. Uh, so there, there's, um, there's a very specific reason why I was bringing this up. Uh, because one of the members was talking about copyright and uh, the defense of property, right? Ideally, copyright lasts until the end of the creator's life, right? But that's a lot different when you're talking about it from terms of a company, right? Because it's not just one person coming up right, with, right. with everything. Well, um, isn't there a legal precedent that states that if you don't do anything with your property in, it's like a 40-year span or something like that, then it becomes public? Right, so, and this brings <laughs> up, so for those that don't, quite understand what the Disney vault is about. Uh, Disney does this. This is mm -hmm. how they protect their intellectual property. What they do is when it comes to that term, it's 25 years or 40 or 50, when it comes to that time where they have to go and defend it, they'll release a special copy of it because they've done something with it. Right. right? That was why it was such a big deal for Fox to do something with... Uh, um, that, that's very descriptive. I know, right? That was like that was the, the one with the parents and the stretchy arms and the man? No. no, not Spooderman. Oh, Fantastic Four. Yes, thank you. Right. <laughs> parents have to do with it. I don't know what parents had to do. With to it. be fair, I've never watched those movies. I've seen glimpses. All right. Well, I think it's because like two of them at like mom and dad kind of. What thing. was with the shooting? None of those heroes used guns. Yes, I do. One of them blasts with the hands. Oh, the fireball. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Human yeah. Brush. There you go. See, you caught up to my level now. All right. Well, you were using literal <laughs> finger guns though. <laughs> so, anyways, it, it's that's the reason why it's such a big deal on how, on doing something with the property. I think they had something written into their contract that said they had to do something with it for every so amount of years. Otherwise, they lose the property. It goes back to Marvel. Yeah, I think that's the case with, with companies. Uh, well, what's interesting is that Disney now owns Fox, right? Did they did that go through? Uh, or is that in the works still? I think that might still be in the works. Oh. Well, um, Fantastic Four might come back to Marvel. So. I thought it already did. Like It secretly was slipped back to Marvel after like the travesty of the last one. No, I think they still own the own the property for the time being, uh, just like Sony does with Spider-Man. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, anyway, so that's how that's how companies usually defend their copyright is they'll do something with it in the before the lifespan of the copyright goes down, right? And that's why why Disney tends to release stuff out of their vault just to retain it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, so that that was one of the one of the articles the next one uh announcing uh unreal engine online learning so apparently uh epic or whoever has this course it's epic uh took this took it from one place and put it on another and now it's available for everybody to learn the unreal engine uh specifically unreal 4 yeah it sounds like a rebranding of their documentation because using their, that's how I learned Unreal, was mm -hmm. just using their resources online that were already available. And, you know, a bit of forum searching and stuff like that. Uh, and tons of YouTube videos, including their own YouTube videos. So it, it sounds like they're just kind of containing all that in a, another space and just rebranding it. Uh, yes. Which is probably smart to, you know, get more content creators. Mm-hmm. Then, following up on that, high school kids send Earthbound into space. <laughs> so, this... It's just a literal copy of Earthbound. Yes, a copy space. of Earthbound t 
tied to one of those balloons that can go into like that layer just before like the stratosphere. Yeah. Just before space. Like a giant weather balloon? Yeah, so it was going up and they sent it that, that way. Apparently he got his cartridge back, but <laughs> <laughs> he sent it up to space and was like, why not? That's how you get the true ending. You send it up to space first. Here's something. Uh, so last time we mentioned, we talked about this a little bit, a little bit. The IGN guy. Who, oh, the plagiarism case. The plagiarism case. More has come out since then. This dude's life is kind of just over at this point. Uh, he's got allegations spanning all the way back to before he even, to his last job. And as people were digging further and further, as the internet tends to do when they find, when they smell blood right, in the water. Right. Um, they really like to pile that higher high. Oh, man. Did they ever. They found even his resume was copied. What? Yeah. Even his resume. Well, okay. Is the contents of the resume or just the format? Like all of it. How do you plagiarize a resume? <laughs> you go to one of those uh, resume builders mm -hmm. that sometimes have examples, and you just grab that and put it in and use it that, that way. And just change a couple words. We've we've dealt with that kind of stuff. <laughs> well, okay. So I don't. As, as long as you're replacing all the contents within, like if the format is just copied over, like does that matter? It depends on who you're talking to. To the internet, it matters quite a oh, lot. Yeah, like, I, honestly, I, could, I couldn't give two bits of crap about a resume, but if the actual content they're putting out is plagiarized... Right, and I mean, then, yeah. resumes are kind of going the way of the dodo. Who, man? When's the last time you've heard that phrase? Uh, you. <laughs> resumes are kind of going the way of the dodo, in my opinion. I think we're more going to be... Like, there are some industries that live and breathe off of resumes, which is completely understandable, right? But then you have stuff that's like the game industry, and then you have yeah. other, like, creative platforms where resumes, where a resume doesn't really show what that person is capable of, right? And you're also having this kind of exodus of people leaving college. Like, they don't see a reason to continue to go to college because it's almost unaffordable, right? And because you can still get all the... Everything, for some people when they go, it's like they're just honing their talent better than if they had done it on their own kind of thing, right? Which makes sense, but at the same time, they're not seeing, they're not getting a lot of gain out of that. Yeah, yeah. They're, I mean, yeah. So bringing it back to the topic at hand, his life is kind of just done. He's blacklisted. <laughs> well, I'm sure he'll he'll find a new, a new path, a new career. He's going to have to. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Uh, then we got into the story of Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah, what's going on here? <laughs> so, if you go into the Discord, there's a lot of stuff on Chuck E. Cheese. So, we're, while we were talking about, like, weird things and games and just things we came across, uh, one of the members, Melissa specifically, was like, by the way, did you know Chuck E. Cheese has, his, has a sad background? And we were like, what? Apparently, Chuck E. Cheese is an orphan, and that's why he puts on parties. Oh, the character. <laughs> the character. I thought Chuck E. Cheese, like, the franchise was started by a mob. No. Something I'm, like that. Ooh, whoa. That's, that's a separate tale. Yeah, this, well, this is the, the story of the character itself. Because we I was talking about uh, Five Nights at Freddy's and how creepy it is, mm -hmm. and how, like, Springtrap, like, messed me up. I got a cat because I needed to blame the noise on something. Like that's, <laughs> that's what I got, right? And they were we got into the topic of how creepy mechanical things are, and then that led to Chuck E. Cheese because Chuck E. Cheese is the most prominent. And uh, apparently, Chuck E. Cheese is an orphan who likes to throw parties for other kids because he never had that done for him. So he's Michael Jackson. <laughs> 
I guess. Uh, uh, ooh, whoa, which part? The reliving childhood <laughs> for other kids? Well, I'll take that one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you know, none of those accusations against him were That's ever, true. you know, proven, proven. proven true. So, I'll give the guy the benefit of that. I didn't know him, and I don't want to assume anything about him. Mm-hmm. That's just my life philosophy there. Right. So, that con- kind of concludes everything we talked about. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so let's go ahead and get into our shout-outs, and then we'll get into the extension topic. Remember, the extension topic is going to be about games that have impacted our lives in some sort of way and or changed the industry in, in just, like, when it was released. Uh, there are a couple of games that just kind of really not just impacted our life, but changed the way people have gone on to make games. Mm-hmm. Uh, so stick around for that. Right now, here's the shout-outs. Yeah, thank you, Trey, first and foremost, for editing our podcast every week. You're doing a killer job, man. And Anwar, as well, for posting them every week. You guys are killing it, and you're, you're keeping us alive here. Don't forget, Trey's now got over, I think, 100 or so followers, yeah, which means he has a unique URL now that's based around Trey's mix. So, awesome congratulations. Congratulations, Trey. We're super excited for you and hope that you continue to grow. We're looking forward to seeing what you come out with very soon. And thank you, of course, as always, for helping us out here. Uh, Let's see. Oh, I also want to give a shout out to Jose and Melissa. Our logos are done. Are they? Almost. The one one that's not done is just the downloadable copy, but we're playing around with like some fonts and stuff like that. But overall, we've got the branding and everything down. It's super awesome. Melissa and Jose like knocked that out within pretty much a month. Pretty much a month, which is, I mean, each of them took two weeks to do their own logo. And I mean, everybody is kind of like a design by committee and, and stuff. But what came out of it is just really awesome. I'm super excited about it. Uh, I can't yeah, wait. all that switched over. So yeah, I can't wait to show everybody. And then it's like if you start coming to events and we happen to be there, you'll be seeing our logo everywhere. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. So thank you, Jose and Melissa, for knocking that out and just being awesome with it. And also thank you once again to Nerdvana Coffee for letting us use their podcast booth and for just generally being really good baristas. Oh, for uh, sure. Every morning I get in, and or every time I, you know, I, I come in here anyway, I get in, and they're like, "Oh, hey man, how you doing?" Mm-hmm. Right? They generally know what I want. So. Mm-hmm. As with your London fog. Every morning. Sad face. I couldn't get it this morning. <laughs> oh no. No, they were out of Earl Grey. They're like, "We don't get it until tomorrow." And I was like, "But I don't come here tomorrow." You'll be here Friday. Don't I'll be here right. Friday. I think you just popularized the drink. <laughs> so That's now right. You're competing for it. Yes, I'll take the popularization. Uh. I just want to be popular. Okay, so looking up this resume thing, because I had to look it up. I had, <laughs> okay. I had to look it up. Okay. Uh, apparently, it was for a couple of his uh, his actual like job descriptions mm. from past jobs. Mm-hmm. He like literally copied from from other pages. That is definitely pretty. All right, so let's go ahead and get into our extension topic. Thank you guys for sticking around. This is the part of the podcast where we go into an extended topic. We'll either talk about a certain article that really took our fancy or expand upon it a little more, or we'll bring up just topics that we really think you guys should just kind of think about or be a part of. Um, just to kind of get a yeah, yeah, just to kind of get a discussion together. Uh, for this one, we're going to talk about uh, can games change your mind or how impactful games can be. Uh, for me growing up, obviously we, we didn't get into this just because we, we just, games were just there and it was a 
career path we could take. We got into it because it's something that we definitely love, right? There's some game that we play that just kind of set us in the trajectory to get here, right? For me, that game was Jack and Daxter. Oh, sure. Yes, it was one of the... Classic. It's one of the classic games from the PS1 era. It's absolutely amazing. For those that haven't had a chance to play it, if you ever get a chance, I highly recommend it. It came out around the same time as Sly Cooper. Uh, what was the one with the wombat? The wombat. Uh, da, 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 da. You talking about tie? No, that's tie. No, it has the wrenches. Wrenches. The wrenches. It's like a giant wrench. He's like a mechanic, but then he becomes. Oh, a ratchet and clank. Yes, that's it. That's, <laughs> he's a wombat. Is he a wombat? I think I he's a, he was just an alien race. I always thought they they like yelled at him like look here you wombat i don't know Oh, maybe they just said he looked like a wombat i don't know i don't know if somebody knows uh what ratchet <laughs> in ratchet and clank actually is please like comment subscribe <laughs> <laughs> uh so going on like jack and daxter was kind of like the the moment that games hit true for me there are tons of games that i played growing up but yeah. jack and daxter was the one where i was just like there are stories there are there are things that are actually like I'm having some sort of impact in this world. Mm -hmm. And then just from Naughty Dog, like how how their approach to the whole games, their how in their and uh, connecting with their audience is something I haven't seen anywhere else really. Right? The way Naughty Dog does it, and you can see this because they started with uh, Crash Bandicoot, yeah, right? Yeah. And the way Naughty Dog did it is they grew up with their audience. Mm -hmm. So Crash Bandicoot was very much that ch kind of childlike wonder, right? Then you get to, to Jack and Dexter. And Jack and Dexter is where you really see that growth happen. Because it was, Jack and Dexter was all friendly and fun and had some dangers and adventures, but it was great, right? Then you get to two, and two was just dark. It was just absolutely I dark. I say, well, okay, it was like, <laughs> Teen angst. Dark. It was teen angst dark. Yes. So I guess I get what you're saying. Yes, it was just dark. And they gave him a voice, which I lost my mind on. I can't, I restarted my game just to play that spot because you couldn't save it, like go back and play. I just restarted it and screamed the entire time. Uh, and then you get to three, which they dumbed down. They, they dumbed the difficulty down because two was too hard. Two was pretty difficult. Two was, I got stuck in one of the gun courses. Let me put it this way I finished three before I finished two. Because it was hard to get through some of the gun courses. Yeah, you couldn't yeah. advance through the game unless you cleared a gun gun course. Uh, and that that's another story in itself. Wait, wait. So where do the kart racers fit in? The kart racers? Well, yeah. Because they, they put out three games and then a kart racer. Yes, that kart racers. And there was a fourth game that also came out on the PSP. They come oh, after yeah, yeah. three. Daxter? Yeah. No, Daxter happens in the middle of one and two. That's right, yeah. In the middle, well, in that section of two where, uh, spoiler, I guess, but it's like a really old game at this point. Yeah. Da Jack gets kidnapped or gets taken into prison and experimented on in two. And during that time, Daxter's running through and being an exterminator. And that's how he gets to get to find Jack again and free him. Uh, then you have, I played all of them, by the way. And then you have I the cart <laughs> the cart racer game, which comes around like after three. And then you have four. Is there four. a story in the cart racing? There's not really a story. They kind of try, it's, but it's it's really more of like a, like a transformer. Like a Mario yeah, it's just kind of blowing shit up. And then you get into four. Whoa there. Which is that. <laughs> <laughs> and then four is supposed to be this thing where, like, the mana is kind of running. Like, the magic is kind of running out of the world, and the world is falling apart. I didn't know they made a fourth one. They when did, did but it's not by Naughty Dog. They pay, they gave it off to somebody else, and they did a poor job on that. I oh. did not like that game at all. 
I barely put. I like. I, the only reason why I got like like the cart one was because of how ridiculous it was. But on the fourth one, they tried to go super serious with it, and it just didn't work out. Um, so, and to sum it all up, <laughs> I really love the series. Uh, but the there was that growth, and in that growth, like it felt like I could connect with that, and yeah, I yeah. it definitely influenced a lot of how I started approaching stories and. Uh, like my own work, which was already dark at the time, started getting darker. But I, I, I learned how to add humor in because that was one thing that Naughty Dog was really good. And it, 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 despite the game being as angsty as it was, it still had this nice little whimsical humor to it. And I, I tried to replicate that in my own stuff. Um, and sure, yeah. yeah, right. Uh, and so that that's a game that impacted my life, right? Well, then you talk about look at the. As Naughty Dog goes on, they get into like Uncharted, Last of Us, which Last Last of Us is their their new ones coming out soon. Yes, yeah, Last of Us Two is coming out, and uh, I'm very excited. Actually, I just recently played replayed through the first one with Avery because she was excited about the sequel and mm-hmm. wanted to see all of the stuff from the mm-hmm. first one. Yeah, so. and and so going back, so Last of Us or specifically Uncharted, like mm-hmm. Naughty Dog's Uncharted, that kind of changed the way cinema was seen in games or like it's a, I mean it's a very cinematic game yeah but a lot of people are kind of rebelling against that kind of game mm-hmm. uh, nowadays or a lot of yeah developers kind of are because yes. it's, it's very much a format of like gameplay section cinematic section gameplay section cinematic section right and not only because they uh, went hardcore into yes. linear storytelling and they do an excellent job of mm-hmm. it. I would I would argue that they are like the pinnacle of that formula. Yeah. Right. Right. And then uh, that that's what I'm trying to get at is like yeah. Naughty Dog set the formula for what a linear story is, and you yeah. can kind of yeah. see them honing that through Jack and Daxter mm-hmm. series, and then get it like really put the touches on it throughout the t- the whole point uh, throughout the whole thing of Uncharted. Yeah, yeah and all now, four of those games. Yeah, and now you're just kind of seeing it all come together in Last of Us. Yeah. I really enjoy that. Yes. Um, it is also a very expensive format. Yes. So yes. it's it's argued that that's not sustainable mm-hmm. moving into the future. Uh, I think what's going to make it sustainable is, you know, in, uh, improved technology. As we get further along, there's some a lot, a lot of new tech that we're starting to see with Last of Us 2 and with other titles coming out mm-hmm. that uh, that are you know reducing production costs a lot while also improving fidelity a lot. Awesome. Right? So I'm really excited to see that. Uh, but anyway, on the topic of games uh, that have you know changed your opinions on things mm-hmm. or all of that. Uh, so I've got an example. It's not exactly a game per se mm-hmm. that kind of changed my opinion on something or opened my eyes to mm-hmm. it, but uh, back when, right before Gamergate started and came out, mm-hmm. and all of that started, uh, I hadn't been paying attention to much of the you know f- um, feminism issues and all that. I'd just been kind of like, I'm going to work in games. I'm I'm working in games now. All right, and, uh-huh. you know, I wasn't as concerned with that stuff at the time. Bright uh, eyes, stars, and right, right, stars right. in the sky. Yeah, uh, yeah, bright eyed, bushy tail, all that. <laughs> um, but I went to my first GDC, and mm. I met somebody uh, who had worked on Remember Me, uh, which is the game with the female oh, protagonist, yes. uh, which was really cool. It was about was know, it piecing well together memories. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it was it was kind of like a, an action platformer thing with these puzzle segments. They were It was really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, was it the best game? I don't know. I didn't play it all the way through. Mm-hmm. I started it. Uh, but anyway, I thought it was neat. Well, I met one of the developers on that project. And he was telling me 
uh, that multiple people came up to him separate times and straight up told him that they're not going to play their game because it's a female protagonist as the main character. And I'm like, that doesn't sound right. That's really weird. That's really, really weird. <laughs> and so I started, you know, I started seeing this everywhere, right? So it... it Once you see a moment, yeah, it's just, it's there. You can't, you can't unsee <laughs> it now. Yeah. You, you just can't. So I mean that that's an example of of, uh, of a game sort of opening my eyes to social issues, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that said, you know there's been there's been many games in the past that have really evolved my understanding of storytelling or gameplay. Mm-hmm. There's a there's there's a couple of games. Uh, just speaking on the feminist route of things, there's a couple of games that kind of took on like what what happens to a a girl growing up True. or yeah. if um like life is strange life is strange um, yeah others. there's another one and i never got a chance to really play it uh, i can't quite remember the name of it but as you're playing as the voice in the girl's head um i don't know if this might spark something for you but you're playing as a girl voice in the girl's head and she's asking you questions and you can either help her through it or not right and as you go through the story kind of unfolds you realize something really bad happen in this girl's life right and she's leading you're kind of trying to help her get out of this kind of I I don't know it all the way but it sounded like you were trying to help her kind of get out of um being suicidal I see right because of this I don't want to say what it is really that that happened uh because I I got a little bit of a spoiler on that but what happened to her was really bad, and you're helping her kind of come to cope cope with that. As and just like the stages that a girl goes through these through through it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Huh. Yeah. Uh, when did that come out? Oh man, I want to trying to place which game it is. I want to say it's around the same time as that. As as the last one. As the remember yeah me? as as remember me or was it? Um, it's called her. It wasn't one of those, like, Sony hyperproduction production No, no, okay. this was an indie okay. title. Okay. It, it was very much it. limited in what it could do. I think it chose to go, like, this photorealistic way. Mm-hmm. Or photo... What did it, man, what do they call it? It's like, what the... What's that one game? It's not Beyond Two Souls, is it? No, no, okay. no, no. No. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely not. This is, this is an entirely indie title. Okay. I just can't remember what it was. Uh... But anyway, that those kinds of stories have I've, when I when I heard about that game and then I'd gone and read people's people's reactions to it. They're just like, whoa, like it, it painted what happens when a woman is victimized in such a way. Mm-hmm. Right. And now I kind of given it away if you can figure out what the what that all means to. Yeah. But it kind of it kind of like helps help somebody understand what a person goes, like, what a woman goes through when they're victimized in that sort of way. Yeah. And um, that it is hard to cope with, right? There was this indie game that came out uh, a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. It's, it's fairly recent. It's an indie title. Okay. Um, about a family. It's it's like a, a text adventure game. It's a family dealing or coping with their son or daughter having cancer. Oh. And passing. Is that the dragon? Uh, yes. Dragon's uh, son? That dragon cancer. Yeah, Dragon Cancer, yeah. Um, something like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That was a very interesting game. That uh, That's hit, hard to get through. That hit a lot of people. Mm-hmm. It was also one of, at the time that it came out, it was one of the crowning games in storytelling, right? 
and just dealing with a topic that's very heavy. And along that same line, over the last couple of years, like maybe the last five years, I've seen more people try to put out games that show how anxiety works, how depression is, how uh, being that victim of of terrible crimes Mm -hmm. is. Uh, And you you see these people trying to deliver this message, and sometimes it hits home with a lot of people, and sometimes it just misses the mark. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But Dragon Cancer was one that definitely like there is not a single YouTuber that I know who played that game that's finished that game with that with dry eyes. They they all cried. Yeah. Um, I really like uh, on kind of changing direction a mm-hmm. little bit. I, I really like games that kind of challenge what makes a game. Yes. You know, typically the formula is a lot of action, a lot of shooting, and mm-hmm. you know uh, steroids and testosterone. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Uh, right. But then you look at games like Flower mm. and Journey. God, and, I love those uh, games. Uh, what was the underwater one that came out recently? Oh. Uh, You're not talking about Flow, are you? No. Okay. No. Um, stuff like that or like Mike Bithel's game. Mike Bithel's games. Um, like Thomas Was Alone. Oh, okay. Which is kind of a, a platformer, but you just play as cubes. And they add so much character to literal cubes. Yeah. Just the way that they, they squash and stretch and bounce and all that. Mm-hmm. And his newer titles have been exclusively about, like, talking on the subway. Yes, I saw I saw a couple of this. That doesn't kind of... Well, it makes you wonder, like, is, is that still a game? A lot of people would say, yes, it is. Is it, it, is it an interactive narrative is probably what I put it under, which well, is still part of the game category. Yeah, yeah, right? I'm wondering, like, would interactive narrative be considered, like, game genre? Yes, because, I mean, if you also look back to... Uh, like the old text adventure games, yeah, like those yeah. are still in an active interactive narratives, right? But right? people would classify those as adventure games. Uh, yeah, I it's, can like, see. it's a lot of like puzzle category stuff. I see, like Mist and uh, Monkey Island, yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, I see where you're coming from. I, I probably wouldn't place those games. I mean, even like the games, like uh, shoot, what are they called? Like the Tell 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 Oh Tell Tell games. Yeah, yes. even their games like. I don't always classify them. Uh, I, I, I classify them more as interactive narratives than I do because to me, a game is you have agency in it. Yeah. Right. You're it, even if it's a little agency, like making the full run to something, you have like a full agency in it. Um, but there's a lot of times in um, tale, tall tale games where you just kind of sit there and let the stuff just kind of happen to you. Yeah, yeah. And I don't always agree with that. And I, it's the same reason why I don't get behind point and clicks either. Because you're just kind of tapping around the screen, and you got to figure out the buttons. And let's just admit, I hate puzzle games. But <laughs> those I classify as more interactive interactive narratives than I do as games games. Uh, one game that I really like, that when we, we mentioned this before we started the full podcast, that kind of changed a little bit of um, how first-person shooter games are, is Halo. Oh, yeah. Halo changed a little bit of how... Well, that was arguably the first, like really solid console shooter, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of people might say GoldenEye, but mm-hmm. have you gone back to play GoldenEye on the N64? <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a bad time. I mean, <laughs> if you go to Brain Dead Brewing and join us on the last Tuesday of every month, you can definitely play it because yeah. we have it there. Yeah. Plug, there we go. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Right. Uh, not that we're sponsored by them. Not that we're sponsored. Uh, anyway. Um... Yeah, you look you look at old old Goldeneye, and that that's a fun game, and it definitely started the craze for first person shooters on mm-hmm. consoles. But Halo 
uh, perfected it, right? Mm-hmm. And they've continued to, that studio, Bungie, has continued to evolve that system and make it feel better and better. And I would argue that no first-person shooter uh, today feels better than the way Destiny feels. Mm -hmm. Now, regardless of whether or not that game is really good, the way the just gunplay, moving around, shooting, all of that feels is unrivaled. I I can accept that. I don't really care much for the games, but I can accept the mechanics of it. It's very, and it's made by the same people, so of course. They, they took did a level of polish. There. They did. They that, very few studios. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so before we completely tap out on this episode, there's one other thing, and then I completely forgot it. Oh, man. Um, nope, it's gone. It's fully gone. I should just set it. All right, what about the rise of the party? I got it now. I got it now. <laughs> Thank you for the party game. Uh, part count... Uh, we're couch all, couch co-op is what you're talking about, which mowing and throwing is a couch co-op. Yeah. Right? We're seeing those because we're seeing people want to socialize a lot more. Mm-hmm. Right? And doing it across, like, there's something you gain when you're able to look the person in the eye as you're destroying them rather than have to yell at them across the internet. You know? Yes. There's something you gain out of that. Um, the, the game that I want to say that we are trying to get the closest to is actually Dungeons and Dragons or any of those tabletop games. Sure. Right? Sure. There and I mean, so many game things are, are mechanics and systems are pulled from just role playing games, classic you, role-playing games. You are right. But the 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 thing that we're really trying to get to, right? And we're we're seeing more engines kind of come out with it, like the Nemesis engine I think is kind of a little bit the closest that you can get to it at the yeah, moment. Yeah. But it's this idea that when you're in the middle of it, right, you're, you're the dungeon master. You're saying your story. You've come up with this entire game plan, and then the players do something that's nowhere near what you were doing. You now have to scramble to keep up and create an entire unique storyline just for that. I used to do a Pathfinder with a friend, and we would destroy his stories, like, every single week. He'd just be like, this is not what I planned at all, but yeah. screw it, we're going to go. So I see more games trying to get to that method of allowing players to have a way more agency and have the store really evolve or wrap around or, yeah. which I don't know what's the best way to say it, but really go with the choices that are being made in-game, right? And, and that's a larger conversation and things that are still trying to be solved is how to create these Lego block stories that can be put in any order without worrying about it breaking. Yeah. Because right? if you think of back on, like, Naughty Dog, if you were to take a couple scenes out of Naughty Dog... Like and rearrange them? Yeah, and rearrange them, it's not going to work. Right. Right, because everything is... It, it's A, B, C. Right? There's no... Oh, well, I can put C up and put it over here and still have the same story. There's none of that. Right? Uh, and arguably, there's some uh, choose your own, choose choice games. Choose your own adventure. No, no, just choice games oh. like Dragon Age and okay, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. That are even though they claim to be uh, multi branching, narrative, branching narrative, yeah, they're not. They're still very linear. You're still going from A to B. Oh you're yeah. Still like a, if you go back through and replay one of those games and mm-hmm. choose different options, you can you can see through the veil. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, it's really a linear story that just has like different dialogue bits. Right. And and the real the real parts of those branching narrative is just how you go with the characters you're around and what what like a character if you're if you make enough of the right choices they may be friendly versus yeah. hostile. Well, so this actually leads me to something I wanted to talk about mm-hmm. which was uh, we have a few. Oh, yes. So they are <clears throat> they do some very interesting things. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Now, spoilers, Gearbox publishes it, but I didn't work on that game whatsoever, so I'm mm-hmm. playing through it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> so, you know, there's been a rise over the past few years of, like, roguelike games, randomly generated dungeons and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Well, this is a game where the entire world is randomly generated, but mm-hmm. you're still following a linear narrative. Right. So there are, like, key narrative points that you hit, but all the smaller narrative points throughout the game are in randomized order. So it's different every time you play through the game. Mm. Uh, now, you might encounter a lot of the same scenarios the second way through, but the order in which you will encounter them will change. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's very interesting. Uh, the game that's underwater. Is that... Abzu, I think it was? Subnautica? No. Okay. Okay, well, uh, Subnautica is the one that I'm thinking of, and it's very much like that. There are very key narrative... It's not randomly generated. The world's not entirely randomly generated. But you can hit key points in any sort of way you want in order to progress the story. And I think there's only, like, maybe two or three little dungeons that you actually have to go through in order for you to get to the next part. Mm. But overall, you could just go through the world, collect a whole bunch of minerals, and then just hit the story all in one go if you do it right. Um, so that, yes. Uh, I'm interested to see what we happy few. I'm probably going to watch Let's Plays on it. Sure, yeah, that's fine. Uh, but every Let's Play will be slightly different. I'm hoping so. Which, and for me, whenever I watch different, go to watch a game, I actually watch like three or four different Let's Players because I want to see how they're approaching the game because everybody has a, rea- a different yeah, reaction. I, I know I've seen Markiplier videos come up on it. Uh, I saw, I think, a Jacksepticeye he did the too. most recent, the most recent one, uh, the most recent version. The ones they did in the past were all the old versions. Yeah, yeah. The game actually officially came out mm-hmm. uh, last week, mm-hmm. so um, it was in early access before that, which was kind of just the survival stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, now that the actual real game is out, there are like three narrative storylines. Mm-hmm. I'm still on the first one. Okay. So. Oh, on that note, uh, did you ever get a chance to play? Detroit Become Human? Uh, I watched a little bit of Game Rooms play it, but I have not picked up that game. Okay. Uh, so if we're talking about games that kind of challenge the convention of things, uh, Detroit Become Human might be one of them. Hmm. Uh, just might. I would still place that as an interactive narrative than I would as a mm-hmm. as a full-on action game because you're you have to do quick time events right, a lot, right. right? And it's, it takes, it borrows from the formula of tall tall games just with a, you well, don't have the... So that studio's been making stuff for a while. They, they yes. Uh, I forget their earliest games, but I started paying attention to them with Heavy Rain, Beyond Two Souls, and now Detroit. Uh, they're one of the few cases where I would say that they have like a true branching narrative. Mm, yes. Like you can, well, in the fact that you could change the fates of entire characters. Like, mm-hmm. you can kill off characters and the story still goes. Oh, yeah. Or you could somehow make them survive to the very end. Oh, yeah. There's been... So, uh, I played through it once. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to play through it again because I didn't want to ruin my experience. But sure. I went back and I watched a whole bunch of different options. And I'll say this every single time. My favorite storyline of all of them is actually Connor. That's the one that actually felt the most emotional. Mm. The other ones, I was just kind of like, eh, whatever. You're kind of boring. On top of that, they were very heavy-handed with the symbolism of racism and stuff like that. Yeah, so, spoiler! Yeah. Well, they always are. Those games are always very heavy-handed in right. one topic or another. But this was extremely heavy-handed. It wasn't like there was... They, it's just kind of like I got beat over the head by it. 
uh, the entire time. So I didn't really, it's, and I mean, we've talked before about games that purposely are designed to make you feel uncomfortable. And this is definitely where we're talking, what, what we're yeah. talking about. These yeah. kinds of games that go on to challenge conventions are also some of the games that make you feel the most uncomfortable. Right, like a story. That if they want their story to have impact, they know that they need to make you feel uncomfortable for it. Uh, and we've seen that time and again with like Bioshock Infinite, where you play, we have to play through that baptism scene, right? And just a big backlash that came out of that. Then we had it like uh, what was another one that kind of like a lot of Bioshock games do it. Um, there was another one. I can't recall it off the top of my head, but it had another moment in there. Um, it's it's either one of the Modern Warfare's or a Call of Duty game. Oh, the no Russian scene? I think so. Yeah, uh, Modern Warfare 2, I believe. Right. <laughs> and where you, you shoot up an airport? Yeah, you can either shoot up the airport or not, but... You, right, but it still happens. Like, the other people that are with you shoot yeah, up the airport. Yeah, and there was one other one where as you progress through the game, you steadily become crazier and crazier, but it is, it's either... I want to say it's a Call of Duty, like Call of Duty Ghost or something like that, but I'm not quite sure. That sounds a little too radical for a Call of Duty. I don't know if it was Call of Duty. It, 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 that's... Sometimes they just are all look the same. I'm just gonna say it. They all look the same. But I know there was one where it, it's not quite the Russian scene. But as you go through, it's like you're you're challenged to like kill one of your buddies off and things like that. I want to say it's a Call of Duty. Maybe I'm just remembering wrong. Um, but we games in order sometimes in order to be impactful try to make you feel uncomfortable. And for Detroit becomes human, there's definitely they definitely hammered really hard on the uncomfortability, right? And there's a lot of things in there where, as a as an American, I recognized it, like the back of the bus stuff and yeah, yeah. and that sort of stuff. And then when I watched, like, European people play it, they it completely glossed over their head because they, it's just not something... Oh, they, like in Detroit? Yeah. I have watched enough to see the back of the bus stuff. Yeah, yeah. But what, I, what I'm saying is, like... For Americans, we noticed that, and that's probably why we felt, felt a little bit more uncomfortable than than Europeans who hadn't heard of that and has American history kind of differently for them, you know? Uh, so there's there's just a lot in that game um, that challenges sort of the convention of the way a story is told, um, the way it is, it is presented to you, and how you can deconstruct it later on to go back and change certain aspects of it. Right, and uh, there were some things, and sometimes I can predict like little things, like if I do one thing, I know how the story is going to go after this. Yeah, but there was yeah. definitely some points in that game where I couldn't predict it at all, and the turnout on it was a good payoff, right? Which is awesome. But there was also a lot of times where it just went into like, oh, come on, really? Because it's just mm-hmm. racism, and I was just like, okay, I get it. <laughs> yeah, 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 I get it. Can we just? really focus on where we're going here. And I guess that's why I didn't like Marcus's story at all. Uh, I'm unfamiliar with the character. Mar- Marcus is the is the one that goes on to lead the rebellion. Gotcha. Then you have Kara and the little girl, and her entire thing is just getting the little girl out of, out of the country. And then you have Connor, who's trying to find with the Deviants, and he has the biggest struggle. And you would think Marcus would, but he has the biggest struggle. Um, so just to sum it up, I think that's a great game. And how it challenged uh, branching narrative, and I, th- I, I would be really interested to see if, if there is, if there's going to be a game coming out soon 
maybe not by that studio, but if there's another game that really takes that building block style that we were talking about of doing narrative mm -hmm. and actually manages to pull it off. Yeah. The closest I've ever seen is maybe the Nemesis system. And when I say the Nemesis system, I'm talking about the one for Shadow of Mordor. And yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Yeah. Because um, in that, the way that system works is the orcs kind of remember, and you can get killed by them a couple times, and they'll remember have you. you. Have and you played through that game? I played a little bit. Because I, I felt like that system, while really cool, mm -hmm. and created a lot of dynamic uh, yeah. narrative things, it still felt really shallow to me. It's like it, it really was just kind of like I'd be in a battle, and then oh, out of nowhere, there'd be this like cutscene where this guy that I fought in the beginning of the game would show up and be like, "I'm back," mm -hmm. and that's about it. And I'd fight him again. It it's definitely a work in progress. I'm not gonna say it's the absolute definitive. I'm gonna yeah. say it's a good it's a good way of going about it. It's a good start to it. Uh, there's yes. another game that's supposed to be coming out that might challenge it a little bit more. That entire system, I can't remember what it is. Who's about? Uh, I can't even remember that because it was one of the members that was telling us uh, and it's somewhere in the Discord months ago. Right, cool um, story. Yeah, the, <laughs> but the sum of it is every player has a unique story to them. Okay. And wherever you are in the world, there might be something you trigger that is unique to you versus anybody else. Well, I'm rooting for a game to accomplish that because that sounds like it'd be extremely challenging it to develop. It starts with a C. Like, I can see the word, but I can't pronounce it. Mm -hmm. Dyslexia, man, that's just how that goes. Uh, so that, that about sums it up. So I'm gonna throw it back to, the, to our audience, to our, to our members, to our people that are listening. Is there a game that impacted your life? Is there a game that you think changed the way the industry approaches certain genres or certain mechanics? If you think so, share it with us. Put it in the Facebook, put it in the Discord. Tell us about your experiences. Yep. We'd love to hear about it. Or uh, bring it to the next BGOCC. Yes, that's exactly where I was going. Our, our meetings are either on Thursday at Whole Foods and Runner Road or here at Nirvana on Friday. Both clubs start at 8 a.m. Or if you can't make it to any one of those, you can definitely come out second uh, last Tuesday of every month to the Beer Club at Brain Dead Brewing. Hope to see you guys there. Check you later. Have a good week, guys.